everyone, it's Krista Bontrager, and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast, where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, it was from Genesis to today. More than four thousand years all the way. George John Dicks on Route 66. Hey everyone, welcome to week 23. And this week we're going to be continuing our journey through the book of Job. We'll be starting at chapter 8 and going all the way through chapter 31. Now, last week we started talking about Job. I gave you a couple of tips of some things to look for. I wanted to give you some more insight into this wonderfully brilliant book in the Bible, the book of Job. Now, with the book of Job, we're turning to a new genre of literature, Up until now, we've been mostly looking at historical narrative. And in the book of Job, we're switching to the wisdom books. And these are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. These five books compose the wisdom literature in the canon of the Bible. Now, wisdom literature was a genre in the ancient Near Eastern world. We do find some similar examples of wisdom literature outside of Judaism, but for our purposes within Judaism in the ancient Near East, these kind of sayings of wisdom were intended to teach God's people about how to live. These are the real practical books. It's kind of getting down to the nitty gritty of living life as the people of God. And sometimes the wisdom literature do tell us stories, but the storytelling conventions are for the purpose explicitly of offering insight and wisdom about creation and nature and also about the real life conflicts in human relationships and in the case of the book of Job the difficulty surrounding the problem of evil so the wisdom literature is an important group of books this is where you really want to go if you want to know how to practically live out the Christian life now let's talk a little bit about the introduction to the book of Job There's no author of the book of Job that's specifically mentioned. There's different ideas about who may have written it, possibly Job. Some think Elihu, which is one of the people mentioned in the book of Job. Some would even say Moses. There's a lot of different speculations about who wrote the book of Job. Another kind of mysterious aspect of the book of Job is when it was written. Now, the date of the events, many people would say it predates Moses. It was probably during the patriarchal period. And this is largely because Job lacks references to key historical events. There's no mention of the tabernacle or the temple or or kings or anything like that. And we also know a little bit about the locations mentioned. Job was from Uz, and that was located in northern Arabia. Job's friend 
Eliphaz comes from a city in Edom. So that helps us date it that it was after the rise of the Edomites. But again, we don't have a super specific date for the story of the book of Job. The other date to take into account is the date of writing or the date of composition. Some would say that it was not only occurred during the age of the patriarchs, but it was written during that time as well. Others would say that it was maybe in some form written down earlier, but then during the time of Solomon, a scholar came and kind of compiled it and, and put it together. Again, we don't really know who wrote it, when they wrote it, or how it was put together. But here's what's so interesting about the book of Job and why it's in the canon is that it is incredibly important. First of all, the subject matter is incredibly important. The book of Job is the closest thing we have to an extended treatise on what I think is one of the most difficult questions in Christianity, and that is, why do bad things happen to the righteous? Why do the righteous suffer? And the book of Job kind of takes the lid off of this question from God's perspective and offers some answers. The other aspect of the book of Job that I think is just genius is how it's written. No matter who it was written by or when it was written, in my mind, is it nearly as important as the genius level in which it is put together? I mean, I could have a whole podcast just on the literary insights about the book of Job, but I'm just going to limit my comments here to just a few quick observations. One is, there's a lot of discussion among scholars as to what is the literary genre of Job? We said at the beginning that it's part of the wisdom literature, but more specifically, what aspect of the wisdom literature is it part of? Well, the first view is that maybe Job is taking the form of an ancient lawsuit. There's a lot of legal terminology that's in the book of Job. And so many scholars have argued that the judicial sphere is the backdrop of the book itself. And it's seen as a lawsuit by Job against God, where the friends that come to Job serve as witnesses as part of the lawsuit against God. Chapters 15 to 31 in particular are seen as kind of a, a formal court proceeding between Job and his friends. A second idea is that Job is a lament. Some scholars have offered this perspective because there is an important element in the book that is a lament. We also see laments in other places in the wisdom literature, such as the book of Psalms. Now, Job's lament, which begins in chapter 3 and ends in chapters 29 to 31, the dialogue kind of acts as bookends to the controversy speeches that are in the middle. And so this has led some people to think that the main genre here is that of a lament. And then in the end of the book of Job, God kind of answers the lament as God comes to Job as the sufferer and answers his questions. Finally, a third idea is that 
it's what would be called a controversy dialogue. Some scholars have proposed that Job is a form of a philosophical dialogue. These friends come to him, these three philosophical friends, they come to comfort Job, and they've all got different reasons as to why this is happening to Job, and, and they give kind of this dissertation on why this is happening. But you know what I think the genius of the book of Job is that it's all three of these. Yes, it is a courtroom. Yes, it is a lament. And yes, it is a controversy dialogue. All three of these are just intricately woven together. And so it the book of Job almost defies one narrow genre of literature. Rather, it functions almost as a self-vindication of its own supernatural origin because of just how deep and profound it truly is. Far from following a simple formula of literature, it forges new ground and it just offers its own unique perspective. I like to think of it this way. It's almost like a skillful musician playing a song on three different keyboards. Imagine what genius that would take to play a song using three keyboards at once. Well, that's kind of like what the book of Job does. It just weaves these things all together as part of the wisdom literature. And it's kind of a mixed genre, but it's expertly done. And it stands on its own as a daring explanation of one of the most difficult questions of the Christian faith. I also wanted to take a moment to comment on the presence of the Messiah in the book of Job. Assuming that the story of Job is happening during the time of the patriarchs, it really is an amazing account because it stands kind of separate from the main narrative thread of the whole Old Testament. You know, Job isn't listed in all the genealogies that we've been looking at, and he's not part of the Messianic line, and, and he's not part of that whole story that we've been looking at all year with the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. He's not really part of Israel proper and, and the kingdom. He's this independent character, this God-fearing Jew, but we really don't know that much about him or how much he knew and understood about the covenant God. And so if we make some assumptions about Job, if he's living at the time of the patriarchs, it would have been prior to the Mosaic Covenant. There would have been no priesthood. There would have been no sacrifices or formal sacrifice system in the tabernacle or in the temple. There was no capital in Jerusalem to go to. And yet he he seems to have a fairly sophisticated amount of knowledge about the creator. There's a lot of information in the book of Job about the creation particularly in next week's reading, as we get toward the end, Job's understanding of the created order is really amazing. And his connection that the created order was made by a creator and that that is the creator that he serves. Lots of questions about how does he know all this? Where is he getting this information about God? the creator and, and, and how much knowledge did he have of the covenant? And then latent within that are these little glimmers, these little prophetic mentions of the Messiah in the book of Job. And I'm just going to highlight a few of these. 
in Job chapter 9, Job describes the, the transcendent greatness of our creator. And he declares that it would be futile for him to plead his case before such an awesome God. And then speaking of God in verses 32 and 33, he says, he is not like me. The, in other words, God, the creator is not like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both. It almost alludes here that, that Job is, is yearning for some kind of mediator who could go between the creator and himself, a mere human being. And this is almost a foreshadowing of the divine intercession that Jesus Christ plays for us between us and God as that role of mediator as is explained in the book of Hebrews and Ephesians and, and elsewhere in the New Testament. Then later on in chapter 16 verses 19 to 21, Job expresses his confidence that he has such a mediator or intercessor in heaven. He says, even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. What a beautiful description and one that echoes the statements from the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, that if any man sins, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Now, possibly the best known Messianic prophecy is in chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. And this is the biblical foundation, the scriptural foundation for the wonderful song in Handel's Messiah, I Know That My Redeemer Liveth. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives, that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Now the word for Redeemer here in verse 25 is Goel, which in the Pentateuch signifies that close relative responsible for marrying the widow of a, a man who dies without a child. This is the story of Ruth and Boaz. It's the kinsman redeemer. So there's hearkening in it to that connection in, in the Mosaic law. But remember, Job probably lived before the Mosaic law and how he has such insight into the nature of the Redeemer and that one day this Redeemer will stand on the earth and that even after Job has died and his body has decayed that he will see this Redeemer again it, it's mind-boggling to understand how he knew this he seems to have had some access to a, a level of revelation that you know we just maybe don't completely understand how he was getting this this information but however he knew that, these references to the Messiah certainly, I think, speak to, in part, the supernatural origin for the book of Job. So even though we don't know the author, per se, even though we don't know exactly when it was written, there are internal evidences for the supernatural origin of this wonderful and 
beautiful book, the book of Job. Well, we're going to put a bookmark right there. We're going to come back next week. And when we see these passages toward the end of Job, we're going to have some wonderful conversations about those because that's really the climax of the whole book when we get to next week. If you haven't already, be sure to pick up the next edition of the Route 66 Study Companion, Life Uncensored, The Power of Passion, and the focus of this unit is on the wisdom literature. Pastor John will be leading us through some of the key themes in the wisdom literature, and you're not going to want to miss out on that because this is such a unique part of scripture, so practical and so intimate in looking deep in our hearts and revealing our our motivations and our emotions and truly what it means to be a complex human being. I hope you enjoy the book of Job this week, and I want to thank you for going on this journey with me, and I'll look forward to joining up with you again next time as we continue the journey through the book of Job and starting in the book of Psalms. We'll see you then. Sister, they don't claim that maybe they won't yield. Get hit to this time, let's hear.